on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure you're subscribed to Locked On NBA and get the season previews division by division with our local experts, of course, plus the fantasy analysis from Josh Lloyd. You'll get tomorrow's headlines from us, Noah Kozlov, Adam Stenko. So that's the division previews, Locked On NBA, your team every day. This episode brought to you by Manscaped, the number one in Men's below-the-belt grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. And if you hang with Adam until the end of the program, he'll detail his manscaping process. Yes, is that, sir. Is that true? You're definitely yes, going to do that? that? That's what Open Gym is this week? Uh, th- that won't be what Open Gym is, but I will I will take people through my, my whole routine there. So stick around. I know you're dying Can't to hear wait. it. Yeah, can't wait. Zion Williamson, so through four games, 23, six and a half, two assists, a steal and a half, 71 and a half percent shooting. He's 35 for 49. And what I was most impressed with, or I shouldn't say most impressed with, but I was thrilled to see was six of eight from the free throw line mm-hmm. in his fourth preseason game. I don't care that he's not shooting threes. Yep. Because he's about as efficient as it gets. Is it isn't basketball about making it as easy as possible to get your points. And that's what he's doing. Yes. How how hard is it for you to score and how hard is it for your opponent to score is the entire game, regardless of what what you want to use for your individual metrics or or purest view of basketball. That's the game uh boiled down to it to its finest point. And I I'm not shocked per se that that Zion is is doing this. The interesting thing for me when he came in last year he wasn't the number one rated prospect in the country, which is hard to believe. R.J. Right. Barrett held that distinction. And then a lot of people thought maybe R.J. Barrett should be the number one pick in the in the draft. And then, of course, it just became, you know, Zion. I mean, it was all Zion all the time. And, and the, the hype machine got crazy at Duke. I We can nitpick parts of his game or what we thought that he might become. But he has surpassed, you know, you, you've mentioned it before to me. That when LeBron came in with the expectations that he had, all everything, um, USA Today All-American following his sophomore year, first team All-American. Meanwhile, Zion had these crazy expectations as well. Everyone knew Zion Williamson's name when he was in high school. And, you know, and and yes, part of that's YouTube and, reasons, yeah. and, and Twitter and all these things. But the truth of the matter is the expectations at Duke were crazy. He surpassed them all. And now the expectations coming to the NBA, crazy. And just in preseason, he's already surpassed them. And uh, I'm just waiting for all the overreactions. That's that's my thing as they start to pour in. Yeah, so I'll reject this because we're already seeing the, well, he's got to shoot threes. When's he going to step out? Well, there was all the talk about LeBron. I remember that first preseason when LeBron came into the league about his shot and how janky it was. Well, look. <laughs> Zion doesn't need to do it now, and he's going to be working on it. He's already shown that in college, I think he took about 80 of them. So it's not like it's a Ben Simmons thing where he's not going mm-hmm. to shoot threes. So let him do what he's so good at. And he's also, look, if he's shooting, like, say, even 65% from two, and then he's getting to the lane and kicking out, because he's a he's a good passer, too. So he can kick to J.J. Redick in the corner. So enough about what he can't do and more about what he can do at such an elite level already. And I understand it's the preseason, and a grind of a regular season is different. But the kid has 
superstar qualities. Everybody is drawn to him. When he gets the ball, you start to edge towards the end of your seat. If you're in the arena, if you're at home, you edge towards the end of the couch. It was like, and it, and that's different for someone of his size at 6'6", 425 pounds or whatever he is. <laughs> like when, like when I was a kid in Philadelphia, when Iverson would get the ball, and I had a lot of cousins who grew up in Pittsburgh, and it was the same thing when Mario Lemieux would get the puck. You'd, you'd inch forward because you knew something you knew something was going to happen. But it's a little bit different when it's Iverson versus Zion. Just embrace these superstar qualities. Something I'm interested in, though, is, is Rookie of the Year. And we've talked about it before, the thinking that John Morant would have the best chance because of all the opportunity. I want to know how many games... Zion is going to play. So I went back and lo- so I went back and looked at rookies of the year over the past couple of years. Luca last year played 72 games. I could see Zion playing 72. Ben Simmons the year before played 81 and that well, don't ask Donovan Mitchell whether that was Ben Simmons rookie year or not. Malcolm Brogdon played 75 the year before. That was the year I believe Embiid played I think it was just the 31. Carl Anthony Towns played 82. Andrew Wiggins, yep, he won Rookie of the Year. He played 82. Michael Carter-Williams, yep, he won Rookie of the Year. He played 70. Damian Lillard played 82. There are seven times that Rookies of the Year have played all 82 this century, so over the past 20 years. That's Mike Miller, Pal, Amare, Blake, and that wasn't his real Rookie of the Year, or his Rookie Year, Dame, Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns playing playing all 82. Zion's not going to play all 82, but I could see Zion playing 72 and if he does, maybe he is the rookie of the year. Oh yeah. I mean there and also he's going to have everything behind him which I didn't expect that we would see. And by everything behind him, I mean coaching staff featuring him now. We're talking about veterans deferring to him. I mean, you think about what they brought in with JJ Redick and Derek Favors there. Obviously, um, there's another talented rookie on the team, uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. But but just in general, <clears throat> I think the big thing for Zion is I didn't think that magnetism that you spoke of, I didn't think that we would see it this early. I thought we'd see the explosiveness. I thought we'd have a delay in terms of him just all of a sudden picking it up after you know, 10, 20 games, things starting to click for him. What's wild is his confidence level is so high right now and that he's taking advantage of exactly what his strengths are. And that, and that is his physical strength, his athletic ability, his quickness, and then his feel for the game. And I don't think he gets credit for that enough. You know, the nobody fact that he can talks catch about it. his feel for the game, Adam. Nobody talks about the feel. For nobody his game. talks about it. He, he catches it on the wing and he'll break down a defender. He's he's got a great feel. He's slithery almost when he gets inside. It doesn't have to be all power uh, or all finesse. There's an in between part of that, which the great players always seem to have that that remarkable knack for finishing around the hoop. And he's got really soft touch and in addition to the vision and, and the passing ability and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, the idea that he's going to get opportunities and that I think there's no question that New Orleans understands that if they're going to win, they're going to have to feature him in different ways. That alone is going to up his statistics, which will then put him as you still have to go once again as the square favorite for for rookie of the year. And I know people say, oh, that's that's crazy. The reason we brought this up, though, for the John Morant comparison and like 
Kobe White being a dark horse. You know how much I love my, uh, my Kobe yeah, White. Got to mention Kobe White. But the but the reason that it seems that Zion would be an outsider was because we thought he'd be a spectacular player that's featured on potentially a playoff team. And and those opportunities and those statistics are harder to accumulate if you're on a team that's that's competing every night, not just a team that's putting up numbers. Here's something I find pretty wild. So when Zion was listed on some of these lists preseason about where he ranks already in the NBA, where you'd start a franchise with him, former players were crushing him a bit. We're, we're crushing that list a bit because, oh, he hasn't done anything, this, that. Former players are going to be rooting for Zion heavily for him to dominate without shooting threes so that they can continue to rail against analytics because they just think <laughs> yes. they just think that analytics is just shooting threes. So if he dominates shooting twos, now they're going to be all on board with Zion. Yes. Yes. And then say, "Oh, the iPads are wrong again, the squares are wrong again." And I'll tell you again, it's lazy to say that just one stat is analytics. Nobody looks at just one stat and goes with this is what analytics are all about. So that is, that's a trend that we're going to get ahead of now that I think is coming. That is awesome because you are absolutely right. And, and you can hear it already. People saying, Oh, Zion plays old school ball. It's uh, you know, the purest game where he just worries about scoring. Meanwhile, really analytics, of course, is, as you know, if we got into the whole deal is about efficiency and and about taking the best shot and maximizing possessions. And meanwhile, here is is Zion who does all these things. He's a new age player who who does all the things that that you talk about. And I, that's such a great point, Noah. That the people. It's always the extremes, though. It's always the extremes <laughs> that that no the, the, the purists. You know, just to eat, I, I hate that idea that you can't even embrace a little bit. If you're this extreme purist that says, oh, I don't care about those numbers. I, I don't care what those guys with the calculators say. You know, you hear that stuff all the time. As you just mentioned, the iPads. I mean, it's ridiculous because any front office, and I don't mean any front office worth their weight, any front office now that you go to in the NBA, they have entire departments devoted to this. And the advancement of it is trying to understand how do we find efficient players? How do we maximize our roster? And use every resource possible. Why wouldn't you do that? And that's the thing that's remarkable to the guys that reject. Hate to use that that term, mm-hmm. but but the guys that reject the current philosophy. Uh, why you would do that is just is beyond me. But um, you know, I'm glad you're getting ahead of that. Yeah, and that, and that's a conversation. The whole analytics conversation is uh, it's a conversation for another time because I don't I don't necessarily think it is truly about the numbers. I think it's how it's communicated. We'll do that. We'll do that in yep. another show. Yep. Coming up. How about MVP odds? Is it as wide open this year as we think? Peloton's offering a limited time offer. Get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home. Go to onepeloton.com and use promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, promo code LOCKED to get started. All right, the MVP race. Is it? as wide open as we expect it to be. Because when I look back at last year, there were seven guys, when I looked at the odds, seven guys at with odds 
more favorable than plus 1,000. So last year, LeBron plus 300, AD plus 350, Giannis plus 400. And this is all, if you bet $100, you win $300. You bet $100, you win 350 Harden plus 500, Kawhi plus 600, KD and Russ plus 950. Seven guys. This year, there's actually only six. But it's just one guy at Giannis at plus 300, then it jumps to Steph at plus 500. Where do you handicap the MVP race this year? Well, of course, the most interesting part is what does James Harden look like with Russ in terms of the MVP race? That's the biggest question. And then the the second biggest question is Kawhi and, and his new look Clippers. I think when you think about the MVP, both of those guys and well, actually, then we might as well ask a third, and that's you know the the Lakers duo of Anthony Davis and LeBron James. That I wouldn't even necessarily put either one in there, but if they go on a crazy run this season, and now with Anthony Davis's injury, and we'll we'll see what you know what LeBron does with without AD there. But I think those those tandems have sort of changed how we view the MVP race, and then sort of you know flip side of that coin. Now you take away KD from Steph Curry. And I think Steph is due for a monster year. I know there's differing opinions on what his season will look like statistically because now there's going to be more attention focused on him and maybe there won't be some of um, you know the, the, the double teams that he's going to have this year that he wasn't having in the past. At the same time, I think they're going to have more spacing than they were with KD because it was weird. KD ran a lot of isolation, which the Warriors hadn't done before KD had had gotten there. So the, the Steph Curry one to me is absolutely fascinating. And then the Bucks look about the same, but minus Malcolm Brogdon. So you're only going to see a better version of Giannis. So so why should anyone think Giannis isn't going to repeat, other than the fact that voters don't necessarily like a repeat champ uh at a at a, at for an award. So I think you factor all those things in. To me, I think Steph is on his way to to another MVP. I just I have that feeling this year. He's got a lot to prove. And I think his numbers are going to be outrageous. It's just going to be a question of, similar to your question about Zion, how much is Steph going to play this year? How many games are we going to see Steph Curry on the floor? So over the past 10 years, the MVPs have all come from 60-win teams, except from when that player played for Oklahoma City, Russ's first triple-double season, mm-hmm. and then Kate, and then KD in 14. Mom, you're the real MVP. And then that was – it's so wild. That was five years ago or – you know, four seasons ago, that, that that was KD at his height of popularity, I think, was Mom, You're the Real MVP. and it Right. Just, That's a great call. Plummeted. So wait, Actually. so outside of those, so outside of the, the two guys on the Thunder then? Mm-hmm. Every, every other MVP has come from a 60-win team. Do now, we know the last one to do it that, that wasn't a Thunder player? No. What are, you, what are you making me look up things for? Oh, I thought you had the whole list in front of you. I was just curious. But, but this year, but this year, I don't think there's going to be a 60 win team. There's been there's been at least one 60 win team every year since the last time it didn't happen was 01, which is wild to think about because how dominant the Lakers were in that postseason mm-hmm. and the only game they lost was the Iverson stepover game when the Sixers won game one in overtime in LA. And and there was no 60 win team that year. So there's been a 60 win team ever since and this year I don't think there's going to be a 6 I don't think there's going to be a 60 win team. If there is one, it would come. It would either be the Bucks or the Sixers yep. 
from the Eastern Conference because of everybody in the West beating each other up. But I think the way the Sixers and the Bucks go about managing their regular seasons is going to keep them below 60 games also. That's a great call. And I think that the the one guy that, that people need to look out for that we didn't mention, of course, is Embiid. And I think the way that you that have was to my view... Pick. That, was, that was my pick, Adam, for, for serious NBA radio. My preseason pick was Embiid. I was going to ask, how many games do you think he needs to be on the floor in order to win MVP this year? 68. 68 games. And and the big thing, as as we sort of tie these points together, Al Horford joining the Sixers this year, I think, makes them formidable for a number of reasons. But one of the primary reasons that he is so important is that the nights that Embiid sits out, it's not like the Sixers are in trouble. They're going to start Al Horford at the five. And I think right, that, so that... So then that would hurt Embiid's case. It, it hurts Embiid's case for, I think, some voters if they really examine it. But I think in general, it sort of gets back to the point that you're making that it puts the Sixers in position to win a lot of games this year. And thus, okay. who's going to have the dominant year? And if he's healthy for most of the year, you know, Embiid. I think the detractors, if we are in an MVP, uh, Embiid for MVP discussion at the end of the season, the detractors will say, and we'll have this discussion, we'll say, yeah, but look at their record on the nights he didn't play. They still did well. I think that will be the only detraction. Because if they don't do well when he's not playing, they're not going to win enough games for him to win MVP anyway is sort of the point that I'm I'm getting. Yeah, I just think he can also be the most dominant player offensively and defensively. Yes, and if there's, agree. But I think a lot of it has to do with Josh Richardson and the guys on the wing. If they can make enough threes, Ben Simmons included, and Joel Embiid can become the closer, and by closer it's dumping it into him in the post and getting a bucket, then that would certainly help his his MVP case. And uh, I've said for a while now, this Sixers team defensively is going to be phenomenal. I don't think people realize how good they could potentially be. And and a big, big reason why Matisse Thibel, uh, I know it's an MVP discussion we're having. But again, if if the defensive numbers are crazy, it'll be something else that's in Embiid's favor for having a shot at, at winning this thing. All right, coming up, open gym. Last week we were ahead of the trend with Gilbert Arenas talking about that ultimate Lakers lineup. What a joke that was. This week, airplane stories. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Locked On at checkout. Now, if I had been dressed, oftentimes when I'm on an airplane, I'm always dressed. But when I'm on an airplane, it's oftentimes brown shoes, collar shirt. My father growing up, his father said, when you're on an airplane, shirt and tie. And that's the way they were as kids. And it was a little different back then as a lot of people were in jackets and ties on airplanes. You could also smoke, you could also smoke on airplanes. But it was it's always the you never know who who you're going to be sitting next to. So that's how I'm, I'm oftentimes dressed on airplanes, especially when I'm leaving New York. This week, I had a college football game at Marshall, and I'm leaving Charleston, West Virginia at 5.20 a.m. So I had did not have – I had jogger pants on and sneakers on, which was a good thing because, again, I had to run through an airport like a freaking lunatic. <laughs> My flight was at 5.20 a.m. from Charleston. I wake up at 3.20. It's canceled already. I find out FOD. 
get to the airport for a 915, delayed, 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 get on an 11 o'clock flight. Now I'm going to miss my connection in Charlotte. And, and Marissa, my wife, is leaving. She had to go at a speaking engagement in Detroit. And Eden was at a birthday party. So it was going to be it was going to be tight. As it turns out, I got back to the apartment at 3.13. Marissa left for Detroit at 3.15. So we all said we said, we said hello to each other. Eden had come home from the birthday party. I took her back to the birthday party. That's that. But through we get on the airplane in, in uh, we land in Charlotte. And this happens all the time now, especially in Charlotte. You sit on the runway for about a half an hour. So we've landed, and now technically the airline can say we were on time when they give themselves a 30-minute window anyway to be on time because you see flight duration take off 30 minutes, and then the pilots can pat themselves mm-hmm. on the back, as they should, though, every time they land an airplane. I think it's amazing. But they, they now can say that they're early, and you're not. So then I've got to, I, I ran again because you're in the – butt of the charlotte airport when you're coming from west virginia so deep in the e-gate running of course the moving sidewalks two of the three were not working good thing was i didn't have my bag with me i had to check a bag because i had to go to urgent care when i was in west virginia so i had medicine there was liquid it was too much it's actually a good thing i didn't have my bag with me and of course the bag didn't make the connection it showed up my apartment this morning racing racing through the airport and i finally get onto the plane but i'm tired of running through airports. And I know that there's video cameras watching me run and people are having a grand old time watching. I'm just, I'm just tired of sitting on the runway. You land, where's the communication? Uh, That's a good question. No, it's a, it's a good question. And it's interesting that you bring up the way that people used to dress compared to how they dress now as uh, the father of three. uh, I'm going pure comfort. And, and my question to myself isn't, isn't who might I see on a plane or who might I see sitting on the tarmac or, or uh, running to my next flight, but rather what am I going to get on my clothes is usually the question that I'm asking myself uh, when we're going. I don't know if there will be a drink spilled on me or someone will cough or my son's been using two and a half year old son. I want to clear that up. He's not 18 years old. My two and a half year old son has been using my my shirts and my sleeves as as tissues. That's his big thing now. So he'll like turn mm-hmm. down a tissue and go, no, no, I want your shirt and like put his head on my shoulder. And then, well, how about how about you just say time. to him? Uh, no, here's a tissue. Well, I've tried this and we we were pretty successful for that. I'm just saying in general and, and without fail, if I'm wearing something nice and I pick him up, right away his first uh, move i'm holding him the moment uh, that he feels the sniffles just right into the shoulder and he gives uh, this like half smirk so like gross. look at me uh you you hit on you hit on your travel though and it, it terrifies me you know we alluded to it in our i guess technically our first episode of the podcast but so we're having another child mm-hmm. as obviously you know and uh baby's on the way and it dawned on me after that first episode, because you alluded to uh, my wife having the the ultrasound, which I had to run out of uh, early because we had to make sure we were recording our our podcast. That's how loyal I yeah, am sure. to you. I choose you over her every time, Clearly. as she as Clearly. she knows. And well, except that one time, that except the one time produced a child. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. But we're having our fourth, and it dawned on me there are a lot of people that I haven't told yet. And now I'm thinking, like, 
on one hand, I'll be thrilled because it means that they're subscribing and and uh, downloading, listening to the podcast, checking it out as they're traveling, what have you. On the other hand, if I haven't told them yet, I don't know where this ranks on the insult to them that they found out in that way format. So, you know, there's the there's the call, right? You call your mm-hmm. your close friends and family. There's some people you text. Um and so you feel close about that. Then you reach a certain point where you feel like, and there's people obviously you tell in person. We told our parents in person, of course, and 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 as many family members as we could. But then, you know, you, once you've sort of gone through all that, then it's, it's a social you know, media post. Social media, and you start to get out on Facebook and stuff. But then, if people haven't heard through any of those means, like you know, people are going to hear about it through the through the podcast before even Facebook. And I'm just curious as to where that that all ranks. How you how you stack up telling people and how they find out. I had a friend who was insulted because a couple of buddies of mine that I, that I really like, and I'm very close to, they, they were texting me about something. And I just said, well, this is my opportunity. I'm going to kill two birds with one stone. I mean, I don't have time for phone calls for all these people. So I just wrote them back and said, that's interesting because we have a fourth on the way. And I, it had nothing to do with what we were talking about. And they were both <laughs> insulted. Like, this is how you choose oh, to tell on. me. I'm like, I'm like, I'm telling you though. Right. It's better right. that I'm telling you than you Stop finding it. out. Technically, you can't get mad, uh, especially with the fourth. I mean, at this point, like, come what on. What do they want? An effing telegram? Yeah, come on. exactly. Exactly. So I don't I don't uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm pretty good at this point. We told a lot of people. I'm hoping people find out if this is how you're finding out and you, you're insulted. I'm sorry. Call me and we can discuss it and I'll go through conception and the whole deal. I'll, I'll explain oh, wait, it all. Have you, have you revealed the sex of the child yet on the podcast? Uh, I haven't yet. Can I do that now? Yeah, do it. It's a girl. It's awesome. a girl. As you know. But, as you know. Yes, I do know. Yeah, I do know. I was not. I was. I was a little insulted. I wasn't live streamed in for the reveal, but I accept. I accept getting the. the I tried. Video my wife. Text. My wife finally it. drew the line. She said, "That's it. it. Noah is out of this one. He is not going to be yeah, part of this." I get it. I'm just glad you didn't give Hudson the knife to cut the cake. He tried. He tried. If you see the earlier version of our cake cutting video where the reveal <laughs> happens, he's holding this gigantic knife. So. Uh, I just didn't want to get arrested, so we we edited that, and uh, it does not exist good. anymore. That's good. All right, pal. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Hope everybody is subscribing to the podcast, rejecting the screen. You can get on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, everywhere where you get your podcasts. Right here on Locked On Podcast Network, rejecting the screen. Your team, every day.